This goes to all my hustlers, entertainers, and of course, athletes in the struggle. Y'all to make a little. Yo, 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 yo. Some get a little, and some get none. Shit, I was part of the some get none. Yes, indeed. Uh, welcome back, everybody. This is your boy. Uh, you know who it is. Do I have to repeat myself? Yes, I do. Because this is Sports Talk, Sports Talk with the Spain. Um, I appreciate y'all for coming in to listen to my content. I'm using my platform respectfully. And I, ex- I expect y'all to respectfully share, listen, like. I mean... If you don't listen to sports, that's cool, but send it to your peoples, and I'm just here to give y'all good content. Um, this will get better in the in the coming months. This is not going to stop. I don't care if I get one play or 10,000 plays. I don't care. This is not going to stop. When the football season hits, I'm definitely going to be full tilt, fantasy football, betting, the whole nine. We're going to be going live on location all types of stuff. But with all that being said, I'm definitely going to get on here and talk more about what we just witnessed this past Thursday. It's almost been a week since the NBA finals has been, has concluded. Um, And the NBA has crowned their new champion, which is now the four time champions Golden State, well, not the four-time champions, the four-time champion, the fourth championship in about six seasons for the Golden State Warriors, um, and the fourth championship for the trio of Draymond, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and also um, Andre Iguodala, Steve Kerr, and that whole organization. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, congratulations to them. First and foremost, I have to say congratulations. It sounds weird for me to be, uh, for the hometown and sit in here and say that, but truthfully, I've come to the realization that I am not your typical Homer. Um, I have friends that are Homers and I have family members that are Homers. I can't do it. (laughs) Excuse me. I can't do it because it's like, I've watched sports with my head, not my heart these days. Like, as many know, I'm a Packers fan. Um, <laughs> I've only seen one, two championships in my lifetime with them, and I know a lot of people who are fans of other teams, they will say, oh, well, I've seen six. Well, I've seen four. Well, guess what? There's a lot of people who have seen zero. So I'm going to be grateful, and I'm not going to be sport, act like a spoiled brat and think that because um, I've seen six, I have no say. Because uh, I haven't seen six, I have no say in how I feel about shit or whatever. And I'm, I should not be a fan of a team because that makes you fake if you bail out if your team is like not up to par. And with that being said, that gives me a lot of props to. I give a lot of props to like Golden State fans that stuck it through because they those two years that they struggled with injuries, COVID, you name it. Um, those are not easy years to handle as a as a fan base because, excuse me, expectations run high. You don't think that the promised land is far far in between, but they sh- you know obviously for a lot of us as sports fans and as them as Golden State fans, they knew it was going to be a 
a tough hill to climb due to the fact that they have to handle situations like Kevin Durant leaving. Clay Thompson's Tarrant, he tore his ACL game six, the same game six that Kevin Durant completely tore his Achilles. They couldn't get over the hump against Toronto. Toronto was a you know one-hit wonder. At the moment, it looks just that way. And although they did make the playoffs this year, it is going to be a one-hit wonder. Like, let's be honest. Like, for them to make it back, they literally need another Kawhi. Um, for what would for what Golden State have to withstand as an organization, and the fact that they had to also go out their way, and they they ended up uh, trading trading for D'Lo, and then they had him for a year or so, and they swung him for Wiggins, and then it's like now we're doing projects. Now we're hoping that our guys stay healthy. Now that we hope all these things work in our favor, and here we are. Um, and the same thing we can say about the, the, the Boston Celtics, like they went through a lot of changes. Like, don't get me wrong. The core stayed the same. Tatum, Brown, Smart. Those are the three names you will remember all the time. Time Lord was always there, but he was on and off injured. Horford left for some more money. Got it. Couldn't get playing time, whether he was in for the, playing for Philly or the Thunder. It wasn't working out. And, you know, that's just how the NBA goes. That's just how sports is. You know what I'm saying? You go for the best opportunity that you think will give you a championship and money, and it just doesn't work out. So it is what it is. And the main thing about these two organizations that you have to appreciate the most is that is homegrown talent. You know what I'm saying? All draft, their main key players are drafted players. And it's, it's good to see. And it's very, like, refreshing. But we all know the NBA is not built off only building from within. You still have to acquire talent that are willing to play a role so that you can build a team that can win championships. And we've seen it throughout the, all, the, throughout the years. And shout out to G, Abstract Mud, Broadcast. Shout out to Mr. Vincent, E-Man v- Vincent, um, and his um, Mr. Vincent podcast. And shout out to Ace. Um, we had an amazing podcast the last episode. We talked about all this stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, literally, this is what we we were speaking on things that were like, we knew, we saw this. Like We could talk about all the the simple stuff, but it takes the little things to make you win a championship. There's a been there's there's a lot of teams that had some great talent amongst themselves. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. I, something got caught up in my throat. <laughs> um, but yeah, we spoke about it. But it's like the reality is, certain pieces have to be in a line and working at the same time for you to succeed. What Boston did from January on out was impressive. And it had nothing to do about, like, simply just adding a piece. It had to do more or less about what you need to, like, it's just like, you know, most of us work in the workforce. Like, we have a manager that walks in. If a manager walks in and replaces a manager you didn't like or you didn't get, understand their their their, their way of doing things, or better yet, the manager who never was there. You feel refreshed. You feel rejuvenated. You feel like you just came to a new workplace. 
That's what happened with Boston. You get Ime Uduka. Uduka. <laughs> um, I might be saying the last name wrong. If I am, do me a favor and correct me if you know me. Um, you, you have Ime. He comes in there. Relatively young coach. Was an assistant under, um, I believe he was under Steve Kerr or um, whoever was before Steve Kerr when uh, it may have been, may have been Atkinson. He might have been there as an assistant then, and he was an assistant under Popovich. And I don't get really too crazy about who people were assistants under, but sometimes some people take it in, especially former players. They take it in and they take it seriously because it's a different side of the game that they're not really, you know, they can't really relate to. It's more than just, hey, do these drills at practice, listen to what I have to say. It's more or less of like observing feedback, giving things that people need to hear so that they can become better players. And Ime Doka, for what he is, he was a guy who was on the ass, especially somebody like Amarcus Smart. He needed that. He needed a guy to tell him, like, listen, I know you are the veteran. I know you've been here the longest. I know you mean a lot to this, this community. But we need you to be this type of guy. And it's not a fluke that once he came in, and became the coach. Marcus finally became defensive player of the year. Robert Williams could have been <laughs> top three in that list if he played enough games. He was actually second team all defensive. Every single starter on the Celtics had a fucking vote for the all defensive teams. First, first place votes, by the way. First team votes. So that means something he did made sense. So it's a credit to them. It's a credit to the Celtics. It's a credit to how they play, their, their season went. For me as a, in the biased sense of things, I looked at it like I enjoyed the ride. At one point, I didn't realize that they were winning that many games in in those in that span. I was I just didn't notice it. They went from seven seed all the way to like two seed. And if you listen to my past episodes, I may have come out of my way and talked some shit. And I had my reasons. I had my reasons. I had my reasons. I had no re. I, I had no. You know what I'm saying? Like when you like something, you could joke about it too. So, luckily enough for them, they made it to their playoffs. (laughs) Second seed. I thought they were better off just notching it down and take the L, take the third seed, play Chicago, which I thought would have been a tough series for them anyways. Play Chicago instead of Milwaukee playing Chicago. Have Milwaukee deal with Brooklyn, but Brooklyn Nets for seven seven games. I I I I from from day one was extremely critical, and that's that's not. A, I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna look at it myself and be like I I feel stupid for saying that, thinking that. Nope, I was right for thinking that. But anyways, it was an amazing run, amazing run. Sweep the Nets, go seven against the Bucks, beat them, go seven against Miami, beat them, 
in 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 normal NBA, NBA seasons, those two teams would actually be favored against you. But you had the better talent, you had the better team. So most most people and most everybody, most of everybody was choosing the Celtics to win those series. Better yet, after they swept Brooklyn, I think they were the favorites to make it to the finals. For what I, from what I remember, but coming from this this community, this Boston sports community, we get into the habit of becoming underdogs off rip, and I don't know why. It's weird. We we, we always go with this whole mantra of if it ain't a, if you can't beat us, uh, you ain't with us. Um, they hate us because they hate us. Like we 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 always get into these like <laughs> these debates about how great our city is about sports and you know what I mean. Like I I truly believe it's a great um, sports city. Um, I'm I'm truly blessed to have been able to see. Um, I was truly blessed to, blessed to see like um, the Celtics win in 2008. I was truly blessed. It's 2008, 2009. I was truly blessed to see the Red Sox win about one, two, three, four, what, four championships since, since the beginning of 2004. Like, it's insane, like, being able to see that. And then for others who are Patriot fans, they were blessed to see the Pats win six championships. It's, it's, a, it's a great feeling, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I get it. I hear people in their own ways they like they like the underdog they like to be underdogs and i get it but it's like it's not that fun because what happens when it comes to that is that being an underdog is only fun (laughs) when you actually win and when you lose is when you realize we really wasn't that good excuse me you realize it wasn't really that good. And not to say that they were a bad team. They were not a bad team. Probably the best Celtics team they they put together since they acquired Kyrie Irving. And that was with the hopes of Kyrie being healthy that whole season, which he was for the most part, but he didn't make it as far as, you know, that Cavs series, which we needed him the most. I say this to say this. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's in my throat. Fucking me up. I say this to say this. <laughs> they had an amazing run. Very similar to how we saw the Oklahoma City Thunder did it going against the Heat that year. And I remember when we had our little panel, the last episode, we brought up the Heat going against Miami. They won game one against Miami. They beat game, they beat Miami game one, like handily. And this was after this was the year after Miami Heat lost to the Mavs in the NBA Finals. So it was easy for the for America to choose the young up and coming team with Kevin Durant. Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Attractive to watch in a sense of it was fun basketball. All these guys were about 21, 22 years old at the time. Why not? And, and they would say the same thing. Why not us? 
They won game one. The one thing I can say about Miami was this at that time, in comparison to what the Warriors did. They had championship experience. This was LeBron's third series, championship third series. This was Bosch's second championship series, which I, I believe all of us who are on Twitter were clowning the heat after they lost to the Mavs because Bosch was crying. And I apologize to Bosch because I understand how that feels in the sense of like being a fan and seeing my team lose and it's not a good feeling. And D-Wade, this was his third with the Heat. And, and we're not even speaking about the other guys, the role guys like Haslam, you know, Miller, the rest of them dudes. Those dudes, they've been there, done that. They've seen this shit before. Championship experience comes to play when it comes to situations like this. So when I saw the matchup was going to be Golden State, I did pick the Celtics in seven. Bias pick. And the reason why I did that is because I saw their flaws without even looking at it, looking at it with two eyes. But the flaws were masked easily because of how explosive the team can be in spurts that other teams cannot capitalize. Example, Milwaukee. Example, Miami. Both those teams didn't have enough manpower in the moments to capitalize against Boston when it made sense for them to capitalize. And Boston have two of the best, probably the two of the best, probably the two of the best two-way players in the league. They could defend, they could play on offense, they could go in, out, out, in, anytime, at will, you name it. With that being said, when they went against Golden State, the only advantage Golden State I truly believe had, besides Steph Curry, Wardell. <laughs> Besides Wardell Curry doing what he has been doing every single playoffs, which is a travesty that people were underestimating him as a clutch performer, performer, uh, performer, and a clutch player. It's a shame that the only thing they had advantage on Boston was that. They had experience, but nobody nobody was looking into that. They were like, okay, well, they're young, and yes, they don't have the experience, but they're better talent. Having better, ta- better talent doesn't mean that, like, we just watched the Super Bowl like six months ago. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Four months ago. Damn, it's been that short. Four to five months ago, we watched Super Bowl. The Bengals technically have the best young talent, the most exciting talent. The Rams didn't really have experience, but they just, I mean, technically they did because they had like, you know, Aaron Donald on one side with experience. And then we have, you know, although Robert Woods didn't play and Cooper Cup didn't play in that. Uh, well, Robert Woods played in the Patriots Super Bowl. Cooper Cup did not. <clears throat> but there were some other guys that did. That was part of that team. And you have like people like Sonny Michelle that have been. Been who actually did play in that Super Bowl, but for the opposing team, 
they have some type of experience. Their coach has some type of experience. Not to say, and then mind you, the Bengals took the lead going into the fourth quarter. Like they were up 16 10, I believe, some shit like that. It was some type of score like that. With all, with everything I'm saying is this at the end of the day, the performance from your key players when it matters is all that comes down to. Boston had a great fucking run. It might, if, if they had completed the, completed the journey, it would have been the most dominant run. Now, I wouldn't say the most impressive because there's been way more impressive ones. You know, we, we get caught in the moment sometimes because we see, oh, yeah, they beat KD and Kyrie in, in sweep. They beat defending champs without Middleton, but they had Giannis. They beat the number one seed with Jimmy Butler. But it's like the last two series you played, you went seven, which you shouldn't have. Their second to best players were both injured. Their best players had to really drop 40, but knew that the 40 they dropped wasn't enough. And you played Kyrie and KD, who have barely played on the court together for most majority of the season, for at least over three quarters of the season. So it's it looks good on paper. It looks good to say on like syndicated radio. It looks good to say on a hot take, but it's not really that. The reality is like you took advantage of what was given to you. And that's great. And that's what you should do. And that's what all great teams should do. But when it came down to it, especially after game one of the finals, the expectation was they're going to, oh, in five, in six. No, no, no. This is not how this, this, is not how this works. Great teams always find a way to overcome not to say Boston's not a great team, but their experience was not built for them to overcome certain things they, as they shown as they have shown. So, I'm only I'm, I'm ranting about this just to let y'all know. Like, I appreciate the journey of the Celtics, but I had I I had them in my head, unbiased. I always had a room in there to tell me. This looks good, but this may end opposite how we feel. So, with all that being said, um, congratulations to the, to the to the Warriors. But how the series went, like you know, game game one. Obviously, we saw the Celtics do a very historic thing. They shot the lights out. They went crazy game one. Like, they won 120 to 108, but they lost. They were losing every quarter pretty much. I mean, second quarter, they were they beat they beat them in second quarter, but the, the game was close. And then third quarter, which was the, the whole narrative of the series, third quarter, Golden State was just killing them. And they were up. But for a team to just shoot 50% from three, there's no way you lose. I, I don't see how you lose if you're shooting 50% from three. Your, your, your bench went, you know, your bench went eight. Eight for 14 off the bench, three-point shots. And then your starters were, like, just as good. You can't lose. You really can't. You really can't. Even with, even, and, and, and the thing is, like, well, the Golden State still scored 108. But then game two comes. You get humbled. You only drop eighty eight, and then and then and then, you know, 
the reality kicks in. Like Jalen started the game hot. The game was like the game was pretty even in two the first two quarters. And then Golden State ran away with it in the third quarter because the guy the the the, the person you expect the most to step up is not stepping up. And we'll talk more about that later on. And then we see game game three, Celtics got home, they get the home juice, they get into it, they get Curry in foul trouble, Curry barely plays. He still thir- drops 31. <laughs> and Thompson finally has his best game of the series, but their bench didn't play well. And then Boston's whole team was just on point. Like you had 26, 27, and 24 from Tatum, Brown, and Smart. They, they, they gave you almost 80 points collectively. You can't lose when your top three players are giving you almost 80 points. You can't. You cannot. But then after game three, it was a, it was a, just a cluster, and that's a credit to Golden State and how they played defensively. Because I think a lot of people got it fucked up when they were like watching the series and like, well, the Celtics lock up. They're a very great defensive team. Their defensive rating is the highest and is historically high, and that is true. But what people always forget is that Golden State won their championships not because of Steph Curry's three-point shots and, Go- and Thompson's um, def- defense and three-point shots and Draymond's um, high IQ and KD's um, legendary play. It was because they're, they're actually a very well-coached defensive team. For a team that runs around a lot on offense, they hold their own defensively. And they showed that in the series. They find they found out what flawed Boston, and which was ultimately their, their turnover ratio. It was high. If your three best players who handle the ball are averaging 10 turnovers a game and the magic number is 15, that means those three guys literally would have to cut it in half in order for you to succeed in those games. And neither one of those three did. When it came down to it, even when they started off hot in first, the two first two quarters, they looked a shell of themselves. Game, the, I'm sorry, quarter three and quarter four, especially the fourth quarter, which is the key twelve minutes that you need. And it had none. I don't think it had none to do with like exhaustion. I don't think it had none to do with like flow. I think it had more to do with like your ego uh, being. Unself, being self, unselfish, um, in the wrong times. Like, if you get a double team, you go into a hole. Not to say you shouldn't pass it, but like, at least find a way to like make something more of it. Don't draw a foul with the ball still at your fucking knee. Bring it up, get it as high as you at the highest point possible, and try your best to make a like. I'm watching old school, and we'll talk about old school, new school. I was watching old school basketball. These fucking NBA guys was not keeping the ball towards their ankles. They were trying to keep it above their head because if if it comes down to it, if you hear a foul, throw that bitch up. I got the foul. Possible and one. I'm in the winning. I'm I'm up. The defender's not. But when you keep the ball low and the, if the defender even slaps you in the forearm, you think the fucking ref's going to see that? That ball's getting loose. It's going to the other team. Cross the court passes, stupid. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
stepping out of bounds, like, you know, offensive fouls. Like, this is the NBA Finals. Like, for one thing I noticed, these refs were letting these, these guys play. Yes, they could have been more fouls called, but the reality is the Celtics were the more they were they were gifted more um free throw opportunities than Golden State. They were in fact gifted less personal fouls. There was one game when Steph and Draymond uh, well Draymond fouled out of three out of the six games for one, and then Steph had some games where he was in foul trouble, and so was Clay Thompson. Because it was because Boston was very aggressive, which is what they should have been doing most of the time. But not only that, those guys are smaller. When you have a bigger team, you usually would get more fouls called on you, generally. But this was not the case. Boston did not take advantage of that, nor did they take advantage of their home court. With all that being said, I'm not going to get too much more into it as I was I have been already. With all that being said, they had opportunities. If I'm correct me correct me if I'm wrong. Game four, while they're in the while they're in TD Bank, they were up going into the fourth quarter. We saw what happened. Okay, that tells me right there. That comes down to the the team's experience. That has nothing to do with the fact that somebody is tired, hurt, and, and then some. Because that's the kill. That's the that's the quarter where you got to kill somebody. No pun intended. You got to go in there and do your thing. Sense of urgency kicks in. You got to play up to par. You got to beat your opponent. No questions asked. That was the problem. Ever since game three, this team did not take the challenge. Even if their coach was yelling at them at halftime, they did not take on the challenge because they didn't take it. I don't think they took it as seriously because they thought their talent would win it for them. In most cases, talent will win it for you, but not when it comes to championship. That's why you see teams like uh, uh, Spurs win multiple championships in the span of 12 seasons. That's why you see a team like the Patriots win six championships multiple times, like in multiple amount of seasons. Like I think it was in a 10-year span or some shit like that. Within 20 years, excuse me, because Tom Brady has been there for 20 years. That's why you see them always competing, and they're always at some type of uh, AFC championship or Super Bowl, losing or winning. They just know how to seal the fucking deal. That's what it comes down to. You you could watch. That's why I always ask. I like to ask the question: What's what's a better performance, Game Six or Game Seven? I think it's Game Six because one team is up three two. The pressure's on them to seal the deal. The other team is down two three. They have no pressure. All they have to do is outperform the other team, and their best player has to be the best player on the court, no no matter who's the other guy there. As great as Michael Jordan has ever been, he played a lot of game sevens against the Knicks, the Pacers, the Celtics, 
in the Pistons. There's a reason for that. They had pillars on their teams. Reggie Miller, Isaiah Thomas, (laughs) Ewing, and John Starks. When you have guys like that, that just did not like seeing this guy go to multiple championships, they took it personally, and they made sure they push it to a game seven. Because when you get to game seven, it's winner take all, and it's there's all bets are off. It's even. Vegas look, looks at it as a as a as an even bet. Though you can't really f- find a winner in that. And sometimes your best player might not even play your, their best game ever. Like there's been games where the great Kobe Bryant or the great Sha- Shaquille O'Neal or the great Tim Duncan may have not the, had the best game ever, but they had the most efficient game, maybe. But their role players usually stepped up. And that's usually what was the case. But game six is important, man. You set the tone. You set the tone to either win it, to end it, or you set the tone to bring it to seven so that your team has an opportunity to take over. You know what I'm saying? So I say this all I say this to say this. Congratulations to the Golden State Warriors. I definitely took 33 minutes to get to where I wanted to get to with this. But congratulations to them. It was an amazing ride. Um, for the Celtics. But it was definitely congratulations to the Warriors. Now I wanted to I wanted to touch on a couple of things. A couple of things. One would be how the world was very like fixated on how Draymond was podcasting throughout the finals, and I had no problem with it as a Celtics fan. I didn't care. I I actually loved it because like I like seeing because. I hate it when people say, oh, well, he was having a bad series. He should focus on basketball. Sure, you're right. He should. But it's just like you had a bad day at work. Should you focus on being – should you focus while you're at home to be better better at work the next day? Some people just decompress. And this is what – this may be his form of decompressing. You know what I'm saying? Decompression. Is it our? Is, is it for us to sit there and talk shit and be critical of that? Sure, why not? Go ahead. You're the audience. You're listening. But at the end of the day, who cares? This is his free time. This is his best way to express himself to his fans and the, his listeners. And I can't be mad at that because at the end of the day, that's how that's that's just how it be. He has a platform. He's using it wisely. He is bringing you into the nitty gritty of shit. It's no different than having some. It's no different than somebody having um, going in out their way and being interviewed by fucking ESPN. They're being transparent now. Now, I mean, don't get me wrong. Athletes are very, uh, you know, short with words when it comes to these interviews, but some aren't. So. To say that he should focus, he should have focused on his game and do less podcasting. That's silly. And then on top of that, you know, it it ended up backfiring on the on the fan base because uh, uh, although I love the Boston tenacity, the Boston ignorance, sometimes the fan base is truly out of out of. <laughs> 
out of out of order when it comes to like um how they like to to, to heckle the opposing team and all that shit. So with that being said, like I appreciated what he did. I loved it. I think more players should do that. And they and listen, they deserve to be as petty as they should. Nobody chose them, to be honest with you. There's some people who did choose Gose, don't get me wrong. They were chose to some people chose them in six, seven, but there was a lot of a lot of folks after game three that were like, you know, it's Boston. There's no way Boston's losing the series. Boston fans were spicy. They were talking about, you know, Steph's wife, and they were talking shit about uh, Draymond. They were like, oh, well, Draymond has more fouls than points. And it's like, after game six, you can't even say nothing. You could, you could, you could say something if you like, but it's all for nothing because at the end of the day, he is a champion. He won a championship. He was a key part towards the end of that series to winning that. So it was all for nothing. You know what I'm saying? It, it, and, you know, it's cool. But it's like, it's all for nothing. And then for what they were, you know, for the fact that they called the, the, the fan base classless, um, stay classy, Boston, uh, I think that fueled them to be the way they were. And then, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, get all like, I'm not going to sit there and say they were right for saying that, but I'm just going to say this. Like, I hear them. I understood, like, why they were upset. Like, for a whole stadium to say F you, fuck fuck you, Draymond, to, like, the whole stadium saying that, that's way different than somebody saying, oh, Draymond, you suck. Or fuck the refs. Like, that's the fuck the ref shit is more neutral than fuck you Draymond. So when you focus on one guy saying fuck you to that person, and then that person ends up winning the chip, like you can't even say nothing at that point. So it's like it's cool. It's like you know I'm a Red Sox fan. We say fuck, uh, Yankees suck, fuck the Yankees, but it's all it's all play play. We're not sitting there like saying fuck a Rod. I'm sure they they have, and I'm not gonna be the one to be like I'm not gonna be the one to say I haven't. Felt some analyst felt some type of way about like A Rod or the past Yankees of the past. I I came to find I came to love Derek Jeter, um, even though I hated that motherfucker because he was so damn good. But that's why you hate somebody because they're so damn good. But anyways, um, after watching like uh, clips of the parade for those guys, they deserve it. They deserve to be petty. They deserve to talk their shit. If they say Boston sucks, so be it. What, why can't why should we be mad like nah they you know whatever let them enjoy their moment and let's hope that the Celtics have the window enough to get back there but um before I leave I'm gonna hit a, on a couple of things the Celtics going back to the Celtics their window I truly believe their window is gonna be um it's still it's gonna be small it's gonna be small uh, if the rest of the Eastern Conference decides to get better. Um, it's in which is very possible. Then you know it's 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 very possible that we're gonna we're gonna see um, that it's gonna be harder for them to get there. It, you know, not including injuries. Um, so for them to be back to where they want to be and to keep that window open, they have to make a lot of moves financially within the team, and they also would have to make a lot of moves. Um, I wouldn't really say for them to jump the gun and go out their way and, you know, trade for Bradley Beal or, 
you know, force themselves into a sweepstakes for somebody who they truly, they, I know would not make sense here. But I think, you know, invest in your bench, invest in some bigs that could rebound and be active. And is in rebounding is more than just jumping over people. It's boxing out. When I was watching that series, there were some things I was seeing. Like, I love Al Horford. He's a he's a great veteran presence. But there was times where I did not see him boxing out. And he's at the three point line. Like, you need a guy who's going to get there and, and nitty gritty, especially when Time Lord is on the bench. A lot of things need to happen for this team to be successful going forward. Because at the end of the day, things will things are going to change. You know, we have. Jalen Brown's going to be due for extension at some point. And if he decides not to sign and he just changed agencies, you know, that just tells you right there that he has other plans to move on. Um, same goes with um, Marcus Smart. I know he's he's always deemed as that odd man out when it comes to these these discussions. And it's like, damn, like, I... I personally am not a huge fan of him. Not not to say that I don't like how he plays. Like, it's cool. But, you know, it's like he's like a glorified, like, you know, saying he reminds me of Pat, Pat Bev. Like, the same shit. He's just a better shooting a shooting point guard than Pat Bev. But he does all the flopping. He, he has the antics. He's, he's, uh, he's not the greatest passer in the world. So it's like, you know, I know a lot of basketball heads will probably, you know, tell me I'm wrong, but it's like I just see it for what it is. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but I think for them to keep that window open, they definitely need to bring a veteran presence off the bench. They need to get somebody who's gonna. They need that bench to be a little bit stronger. Like Grant Williams is cool, but it's not. It's, it's, that's probably the wrong guy to give a role to. He gives me a lot of big baby vibes. Um, uh, Derek White is cool as well. Um, fortunate enough for Boston, he actually was shooting the lights out from that Miami series. After he had his his child, he was shooting the lights out, in which he probably took took very very much of a big. Um, he probably took it to himself to like be better at what he like being open all the time in that position. And then you have Pritchard and he's an undersized guard. Like it's not, it's tough to have somebody like that being your best third option off the bench. So it's like those things need to be changed. It's going to be tough. The Eastern conference is going to definitely get better. Then Bede is not going to be always hurt. Harden's going to be opted in. Washington might even get better if Beal decides to stay. Miami might improve their team with trades, signings. Brooklyn, even if Kyrie decides to go, not I don't I, I don't this KD will can can drive the boat by himself. And I know a lot of people are like debating about that since Curry got his fourth um championship and now his finally got his NBA finals championship. And like I said in the beginning, like they needed each other to win that shit. But I don't think KD needs to win one by himself to to solidify his legend legend status. Like he is a legend, and if no no answers or buts, like the guy is a legend. Even if he, I am, I in my opinion think what he did is way worse than what LeBron did. 
You know what I'm saying? If you, he did, he definitely did a, uh, if you, I can't beat him, I'm a join him type of shit. But he knew what was best for his legacy and he knew based on where he was going. And he know, and most players know that too. Like the pressure's off. I play with, I'm playing with Steph Curry. Nobody can tell me shit. So I don't think his legend, legendary status is in question if he doesn't win one without being a Golden State Warrior. But, you know, when it comes to the hierarchy of the NBA lore or the Mount Rushmore, as they would say, um, it may make, it may be a big deal uh, for Eagles sake. But either way, um, for Celtics, for the Celtics to continue on with their championship window, they need to make some key moves that improves the team in an aspect of like their, their um, experience. With all that being said, uh, moving on, there was a lot of debate about old school, new school basketball, all that good shit. And uh, I like to, I'm going to speak on it for a little bit. For me, as someone who grew up watching 90s basketball, we talk about it, Lajuan, Jordan, the name goes, the name's going on and on. Um, I've seen some greats, and the game has changed throughout the years. And now, if you look now, a lot of the players that got drafted and who played majority of their careers in the 2000s and the leagues, rules changed and all that good stuff. Most of those guys are 20,000 20, 20, players, like 20,000 point players and Hall of Famers. Like Tracy McGrady, Hall of Famer, no rings. You know what I'm saying? Allen Iverson, great, one of the greatest shooting guards of all time, no rings. The rings shit doesn't mean nothing to me when it comes to legendary shit. When you're a legend, you influence the game. You are uh, a great citizen of the game. And you are a great performer. You had monumental moments. And I'm not even going to get into that whole top 75 because there that's very debatable, but I don't think old heads should not be in that top 75 because without the old heads, the new guys are not going to be as effective. Like, without without a guy like Dr. J, without a guy like Oscar Robinson, without a guy like a Bill Russell, you don't have Michael Jordans. You don't have Isaiah Thomases. You don't have... Uh, Akeem Olajuwon's, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. You don't get those. You know what I'm saying? Those stepping stones lead to your, the other great guys you see who played throughout the 80s, 90s, to the 2000s. And I, truth, I truly believe the 90s players were probably the best players because the, the, the rules were not in their favor. They had to fight for everything they got, and they were still scoring close to 30 a game. Including, excuse me, including Jordan, he was scoring thirty a game. I think he almost averaged thirty in his career. With the rules looking crazy, the rules had to change so he could kind of be more successful because it was getting it was getting kind of crazy. <laughs> he couldn't get he wasn't he wasn't able to do like you know he was getting bullied out there. He was a true shooting guard. Feel me? But anyways, that whole debate, man, it's, it's just so crazy to me. Like. And I think part of it is because it's like today's fans are much younger too. I'm 35. 
I've talked to people 10 years younger than me. They, some of those fat cats haven't watched true. They've never watched any of those late Bulls dynasties going into like the early Spurs dynasties. Like they didn't see that shit. They don't even understand how that goes. They remember when LeBron got drafted because that's when magazines were showcasing high school players coming into the league. Like that's different. ESPN became popular then. That's different. There was a lot of different things that were happening at the time. So yeah, of course, you're going to see those things. But we, people in my age group, we grew up to certain guys that were like, to us, it's still amazing. Even Kobe Bryant, like Kobe Bryant coming into the league, like that's that was just a trend. Those were transcending individuals. But to say that a new a guy in the new NBA or whatever you want to call it cannot succeed in the old NBA is not fair, and, and vice versa. Athletes adjust to their surroundings. And I say this to say this. Dream on dream. We'll use him for example. In this type of NBA, he knows who he is. In that 90s, 80s NBA, he probably would have been less effective in the offensive end, but defensively, he would have been so fucking annoying, he probably would have got ejected every game. But guess what? Nobody will forget his name. Because if I bring up, bring up names like Kurt Rambis, even though Kevin McHale is a Hall of Famer, if I brought up his name, if I brought up anybody from the Bad Boys Pistons, people remember those guys. Why? They were, they were bruisers. The, the, Charles Oakley and freaking Anthony Mason, Larry Johnson at one point, the, the Davis brothers in the 90s, Dale, Antonio. Teams used to re-up on bigs just to take fouls, hard ones, get dirty in the paint, rebound, box out, that's it. Everything else, didn't care. They were offensive threats. So to see somebody like Draymond do that type of work still in this day, I give him props. He took that. He he sat back and said, I'm going to accept my role as the, the best role player of all time, in which will enroll him into the Hall of Fame just because. And that's fine by me. And for everybody else who doesn't like it, I'm sorry to hear that. You must like guys who play go-to-hell basketball all the time and just get buckets and not truly like the game for what it is. But anyways, I'm just saying, what I'm just saying is like, I don't truly believe one era cannot play in another era. I think they could play in all eras because to be an athlete, your, your, your mind frame changes when you get on the court. You know the rules. You know how to manipulate the rules. We've watched great players in our, in our time manipulate the rules. So now the rules are changing on them. So now they have to change their, their way they play more so they could be more effective. That's just how it goes. That's that's part of being an athlete. You take the rules and take advantage of it for what it is. Or you make them force the league to change rules because you're so damn fucking good at it. So that's that's how it is. You know what I mean? 
But anyways, that was my take on that. NBA draft is tomorrow night. I'm recording on a Wednesday Wednesday night. Today is um, June 22nd on a Wednesday. Tomorrow is Thursday. NBA draft. I don't really much have much to talk about the top five. Um, it could be a toss-up. Um, there's some great young talent this year. Uh, for me to say who I think is going to get drafted, couldn't tell you. Um, I know for a fact, for those who are hometown teamers, uh, the Celtics do not have a first-round pick. They do have a second-rounder. Um, but a lot of the guys I see that may get drafted early this year, um, and at least in the top five, look like sure bets to be game changers if they stay healthy, if they are truly grow into their bodies, um, like Jabari Smith, Chet Holgren, um, Holmgren, um, Benchero from Duke, and Jaden Ivory, Ivy. Those guys are considered the top four possible picks, um, whether they go one, two, or three, or four. So it'll be interesting to see those three, those four teams that are drafting, they need that type of <laughs> player. Uh, not to say that, that those type of players will be game changers, but I'm I'm definitely interested to see what teams are going to make trades next, tomorrow night. Um, there's going to be a lot of turnover in this NBA offseason because after what we've seen, I think a lot of teams have seen how successful the Celtics were with their young core. They're going to want to um, duplicate the same thing. Um, but anyways... With all that being said, I appreciate everybody who's been listening to the um, Sports Talk with Spain. Um, there's some stuff I left out that I want to talk about, but I'm not going to talk about it because, you know what I'm saying, like, um, I want, I'm, there's a lot of things I want to this, but at the moment, I definitely need to ponder on it. I need a, I need a, I need some time off for a little bit, so I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of a hiatus. My, um, but the plan is I'm going to, I'm going to definitely catch up with everybody, um, within the next, uh, month and a half. Um, where I might be live on location, uh, like literally live. And I'm also considering, um, I'm going to be also walk, um, speaking on fantasy football. It's about that time of the year. Uh, fantasy, uh, football will be one thing I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about, um, the upcoming NFL season. Um, and, and betting purposes, the betting of the NFL as well. So there's going to be a lot of stuff we're going to talk about this summer. Um, but in the, in the meantime, I'm going to take a little bit of hiatus. I love y'all. I appreciate y'all. Like I said, share, like, um, play, um, give me all the love and I'll give you love back. I appreciate everybody who have ever listened to me and took the time. And today I took a bit of time to ramble on, but I had a lot in my mind. And I, like I always say, I do it all first verse. I don't really sit back and, you know what I'm saying? I, I do have like an itinerary of how I want to talk about shit, but I don't really sit back here and think about um, how I'm going to be giving antics and hot take bullshit. I'm just giving you straight shit that I talk from the heart. And anybody who knows me that's sitting sit down and heard me debate with, with them and with others know that I may not be the most educated with every single detail, but I will give you just what I need you to hear for you to understand. So with that being said, much appreciated. Love y'all. Be safe.
May God be with y'all. Peace. And I'll see y'all in a couple, in a few months. Well, actually, in a, couple, in a month and a half now. <laughs> More likely August. With that, I'm out of here. This goes to all my hustlers.